Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hey, it's Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hi, hello. <laughs> well, hello to you too, Michael. Let's start that again. I had my camera on for no reason. <laughs> Hey, it's Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Today, we are reviewing Kinfire Delve, the new uh, one to two player currently, but more uh, to be added <laughs> card-based adventure game. And I might be happy that about that, and I might really not be happy about that. We'll find out at the end of this review. But uh, also at the end of the review, we're going to be talking about whether we think it's necessary to have progression in like a dungeon crawl adventure type game. Now this is a card version of an adventure game, but it's still an adventure game. And, uh, you you're know, still, you think- you're still delving. You're going down yeah. into the dungeon. I mean, it's called Kinfire Delve. So yeah. Why wouldn't you be delving? <laughs> All right. But uh, first we do want to start our show by thanking our patrons, our amazing supporters. Uh, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. We have bonus videos there, over 50 of them now, extra playthroughs and top 10 lists and all kinds of stuff. I just did one that was a, a top 10 asymmetric solo and co-op games, which is uh, pretty fun, like games that have different factions and things. So uh, yeah, you can go check that out. And we really support our supporters. This is getting great. Mike, you're, you're killing it. Yeah, Everything's you're going killing perfect. it tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah. But <laughs> let, let's uh, thank some of our great supporters over there. So we, I'd like to thank Chris E., Jason Collins, Slapshot SG, Dan Agnew, and Sam London. And actually, a special shout out to Sam London. Uh, after he became a patron, he contacted me. He's actually a, a pretty prolific designer himself. And he designed a war game I covered, uh, previewed on the channel recently, called uh, Firefight Tactical. Wait, Firefight Tactical? Yes, I think. It's either Firefight or Flashpoint. <laughs> <laughs> or firestorm or fire siege anyway it's on it's a gmt it's a p500 war game it's fantastic but yeah it's, it's cool that he's supporting the channel but also i'm just really impressed by his design chops in general but yes uh thank you all and of course uh if patreon's not in your budget right now you can always just leave a review for this podcast that helps a ton or subscribe to the youtube channel uh come join us on a discord and say hi we appreciate all your engagement however it might uh happen yeah no absolutely mike Let's talk about Agamonia, shall we? Because that's what I've been playing. I have not played anything else. I don't know if you have. Yeah, I got like five things uh, to briefly mention. But let's Agamonia was one of them. And that's like kind of the big one. So why don't we get into that? So Peter uh, and I got a chance to play Agamonia. This is a review copy. Oh, and Jerry, sorry. He's not here, so he doesn't count. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, so they sent uh, me an early review copy. Uh, This one, I think, is delivering to backers in February, maybe. I think they had a pretty recent update saying it's coming soon. And I'll have a, I actually am uh, currently editing a playthrough and then I'll have uh, a review as well. This is yeah, one we previewed. Playing. No, it's shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So P- Peter, I, I think I made fun of him on like the top, uh, top games of the year episode or whatever, but he like couldn't remember this game at all. We literally played it at least three times, if not more. And then we also recorded on the, uh, the streaming channel that is now uh, the co-op guild channel. Uh, separate from us uh yeah we have multiple playthroughs up there so peter now that you actually remember what this uh campaign adventure game is <laughs> what do you think about it 
Yes. No, I did remember it once we started playing it. I mean, we play so many games. I know. I, I, know. I, think, I think the biggest negative for Agamoni is the name. There's zero chance I was going to remember. Like, oh, Agamoni, that's such a perfect description of what the game's about. No, I don't even know what it means to this day, by the way. And we played through the campaign, including reading like stories and and all this stuff and i still don't know what agamony is is that like the world it's in or the town yes or something? yeah it's, it's like the world or the continent uh they they say in some of the narrative stuff okay i will say that i enjoyed it <laughs> so i i understand now why we played it so much and i understand why we're excited about it it's really a game of doing challenges there are lots of exploration places and i think the thing that jerry likes best about this game and i'm gonna just talk about him because this is his kind of game through and through. He loves games where you get to explore. And in this game, there is time pressure, but you do get to kind of explore all the places on the board. Because well, of that, I th- I, I'll, I'll say that's not the case in some of the later scenarios I played. But yes, in the stuff we played in the tutorials, absolutely. And I mean, the other thing, though, is I think because of that, it's going to be kind of linear, maybe a one playthrough game. I don't know that you'd need to play it a second time. The characters are distinct. I like that. And they each have their own backstories, but you're basically doing challenges and moves. And I like how they've kept the system simple, at least early on, but the characters still feel a little distinct. For example, it's harder for Jerry to move around and it was harder for me to like do certain challenges and things like that. So it felt different. I think one of the negatives you'll probably say in your review, and it'll probably be one of our, our final review negatives is that you go to a place, you don't really know what's going on there until you get close enough to kind of see it. And you may or may not have the right skills to deal with that. Um, and so if you spread out and kind of do your own things, which we tended to do, like you may just be in the wrong spot when it comes time to do challenges. There, there's a little bit of a, a, a makeup mechanic for that because you can either like move twice or like add to your roles. And so you could be better at any challenge by like taking it slow, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too much into it. Cause again, we are going to do an actual review and also Peter hasn't played beyond the tutorial. So there's a lot of stuff. I mean, a ton of stuff he has not even seen yet, but yes, there, there are things the way I'm going to describe this game so far, I have not played enough to where I'm comfortable reviewing it. I want to get at least like halfway through the campaign. Cause it's a pretty big one. The way I'm feeling about it right now is there are lots of things in my review that'll be mixes and warnings of certain type of gamers. Yep. And I also think there's a decent chance it'll be like my number one game of the year, <laughs> even though it's oh, okay. January. <laughs> Just because uh, Peter said it's Jerry's kind of game. It's absolutely my kind of game in a ton of ways, too. The narrative is ridiculous. Like, you haven't seen any of it yet, really, Peter, except for like well, that I- initial story. I mean, the initial um, story is like a 30 minute YouTube video. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> like, there's a lot. There's a lot of. Well, what what I mean is, like, you make, a lot more, you make a lot more choices and have, like, a lot more, like, little personal adventures, like, right off the bat uh, when you get to into like, the cool. game, the campaign proper. Yeah. And, and even the first couple of scenarios I've played have not had the thing where I've been able to see everything. But, yeah. So, then there's going to be things that people won't like about this one. There's even things that I'm not sure I like about it. But, it's great so far. I'm definitely excited to dig more in and, you know, more to come once the uh, embargo is up, which I think is uh, early February. They said we could start posting stuff. Okay. Yeah. And we'll have a review for it probably pretty soon after that. We may do sale and Scotland Yard versus Jekyll and Hyde first or Jekyll and Hyde versus Scotland Yard. Um, Cause I have been playing those lately. Also, it'll be those. And then probably Agamonia. 
Yeah, because I got to play Agamotti for at least another like week, and then I might have to let you borrow it so you can just see what the later stuff looks like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm sure you'll bring it over as well. So that'll give us time to review the other stuff and then me to have it a couple weeks as well. Yep. All right. So if that was your main one, I'll just jump through a bunch of uh, things really quickly. Uh, First on the competitive scene with my kids, I've been playing Card Catcher, which is very random. It's uh, the newest one from Level 99 Games, which, uh, you know, I love (laughs) for Seed and... Uh, I don't know, Millennium Blades and Battlecon and uh, Bullets, of course. Peter and I probably are oh. our favorite of theirs. Yeah. Um, so this new one, Card Catcher, is not like anything they made before. It's a little tiny pack. I think the whole game is like 10 bucks. <laughs> it's uh, it's plastic cards, which I've never seen them do anything with before. And it comes with a pack of plastic cards and a coin. And it's supposed to be like uh, the claw in one of those, like like in Toy Story, one of those claw machines where like you're trying to get oh, okay. this. But how it actually one be- of us, one That's of right. us. That's <laughs> right. Um, so but how it actually works is you hold your arm up a certain amount ahead, you like like this little claw shape with it, and then you drop the coin, and whatever card you land on, if you land on a card, you might just bounce all the way out to nowhere. Uh, if you land on a card, you get that card. When and you take turns going around the table, and whenever somebody has six cards, everybody else gets one more turn. The cards have different points based on different things. You count them up, you see who wins. My kids love it. I have fun with it too because <laughs> it's like a mix of like dexterity, but a little bit of planning. Cause you can kind of like create good combos with your cards and how they score. Uh, but yeah, it's just a little bit of simple fun. I won't, won't talk about it any more than that since it's just a uh, competitive game. I mean, I got it. Like yep. I know how to play. Yep. That's, I mean, that, that, that's a nice thing. That's a nice thing. You certainly can just throw it down and play in about five seconds. Then I got the new challengers set. Uh, these are all review copies, by the way, challengers beach cup, which I did, I thought it just added more cards. You played Challengers, Peter. Do you remember yes. what that one is? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's the uh, auto battler. Auto battler where you're basically drafting cards and then you shuffle them up and you play them out one card at a time, trying to beat the next person's number, basically. So Correct. like they have a number like five. If you draw a two and then a three, you match them. You win, but only the top card keeps showing. So now they only have to beat a three because that was your like last card you played Dude, look at you you just taught the entire game of challengers you remember that really I mean, well i mean yeah that is that is literally basically <laughs> well the auto battler part i think the drafting is more interesting well sure uh, so, and, so and, that's what i wanted to call out so challengers beach cup uh totally standalone and i would i I'll, i have like a little video coming with this uh it's still solo still not the best way to play the game like solo is a bonus that is kind of fun but certainly don't play this don't like buy this if you just want solo i would say but uh, the cool thing is, first of all, they have a bunch of ongoing powers that you uh, pick one of two of, like you draw two and pick one at the beginning of the game. So that's going to, first of all, it gives you a little bit more control over the fight, sort of, sometimes, and also gives you like different things to go for in your deck building. So okay. I really like that. Just like a nice little extra complication. And then uh, the other thing is the deck building is a bit more flexible in the new version. You used to only start with two A cards, like from the A deck. Now you start with three. And you can choose to get a B or A or C a lot more frequently, whereas they used to kind of force you to draw from certain decks. So it's just basically a bit more choice in the deck building and a bit more control in the fighting. And everything else is the same fun, goofy stuff it was before. So I think it's exactly what I would have wanted from a Challengers set. It's the one I would recommend over the original. It's fun. So the question is, you said it's completely standalone, so you can't mix it at all with the other. Oh, no, no, you can totally mix I'm sorry. I, I meant standalone as in you don't need to buy the original. Got it. Yeah, it's kind of like Bullet Heart and Bullet Star. 
Yep. But uh, you can freely mix and match the sets, absolutely. And you can use the new rules with the old challenger set. You can use the old rules with the new challenger set. Like, yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. Would you say that the cards are more complicated? So I know you said you recommend this one over well, yeah, the original you're, you're challengers. Right, you're right, you're right. Would you do the original challengers with the new rules, like in the new way of drafting? I would. Yeah, no, that's a good point, actually. Okay, so let me amend what I said. With a casual group of gamers... I would probably still teach them the original challengers because between drafting more before, you know what the heck is going on (laughs) and having like these extra power cards. And I would say the new sets are slightly more complicated in their combos. Not a lot, but a little bit. Yeah. I do think this is like a bit more gamerly of a challengers. Okay. Like my, you know, my, my kids had no problem with it, but they've played the original challengers and certainly like gamers would have no problem. I think learning this version of the game from the outset. But yeah, if I like brought this everyone to play challenges with like some of my students or like my my mom, <laughs> you know, like a, a family outing. Yes, I probably would still do the original challenges, not even do this one with the old rules because the cards do get a little bit more complicated. Got it. All right. So but I'm sure these rules are available online, too. So if you just bought the original to play and learn if you wanted to try the new stuff, you could do it with what you already have. Yeah. You just so, have to have an image of like the new drafting cards and just make sure everyone knows what the new options are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it because I do like that game. It is random. It is kind of goofy, but at the same time, it's super quick and it's fun. Like I enjoy what I'm doing when I'm playing it. So that's how I feel. All right. So anyway, yep. I'm going way long Two two other quick mentions, uh, Dante Inferno, Somehow there's like 85 games themed after Dante's Inferno coming out right now. (laughs) But (laughs) this is another one. This is a very much uh, in the vein of Oathsworn, mostly a boss battler narrative game. I did a preview. By the time this is up, both I'll have a preview of the story step and the preview of the combat step. I like the combat a lot. The story is fun, but it's not 100% there yet. But they are still developing both. And they're like committed to taking feedback. And they've already taken some of the feedback I've given. So is this on Kickstarter already or no, no, no. Uh, I think I was the first video of it that I know of besides like their own videos. I believe it's launching uh, mid February, maybe. But yeah, anyway, if you want to go watch videos of it, uh, it's pretty cool. Peter, I think you'll like parts of it. You know, like I said, it's not quite there yet. Like I wouldn't, but it, uh, it does have the, this is one of my favorite things. It has the mechanic that Osorn and that I know of pioneered where you always have four characters, but you can make some of them like simplified characters. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yep, yep, so definitely good there. They've clearly been inspired by several good games in, like, these genres, and they're doing cool things. So go check out the videos for that one, but that's another one I've been playing. And then the last one I have not played, but I'm super excited for. I'm not sure if you've heard of this one, Peter. Plum Island Horror. Have you heard of this? Yes, it's uh, it's based on... Oh, the the one we played, Z- uh, Zombie Apocalypse. Uh, Almost. Dawn of the Zeds. Dawn of the, Dawn Zeds. Of the Zeds, yeah, it's based on that. Yeah, so uh, I, I've read the rules. I've punched it out. That's going to be the next thing I play after Agamonia. And I got to say, I'm really excited. The one thing is I've heard it's long. Like, yes. longer than Dawn of the Zeds. Oh, so, and Dawn of the Zeds is super long. So. Or, well, maybe about the same length. I don't know. So um, I'm, I'm, I'll probably do a partial playthrough on the channel, I would guess, just because I don't usually go past an hour or so. But, right. uh, it's yeah, it's it's cool that they've... they've like, there's no eight rule books anymore there's no that's uh, good that's no, I like mean... six different modes uh the co-op so it, uh, you know uh D- dawn of the zeds was very much a solo game that you could play co-op you know what i mean yes like you just kind of divide the actions between you yourselves this one is definitely a co-op game you can play solo because you each get your own like little faction of six unique units 
and then you're drawing uh kind of like uh i don't know aeon's end or whatever you're drawing or uh or tales from the dragon end you're drawing tokens from a bag to activate your faction okay but like you control your faction other people control theirs you can help each other out and stuff but it's definitely more of a co-op game than before and yeah i'm I'm just very excited. So this is. I mean, I, I really liked Dawn of the Zed. So yes, I think you'll like this better. And it had it. Co- yeah, I mean that's even better because Dawn of the Zed was great. So I'm sure we'll be reviewing that one soon as well. Then yeah, too many games, man. Too many games. But we'll, we'll get to some of them at least. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're over over promise, under deliver. That's us, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we did say that. All right. Anyway, let's uh, let's dig into Kinfire Delve, and then we'll have a design design discussion after. So, Peter, you want to tell us a bit about the the Kinfire world, or you want me to? Uh, Kinfire world, basically, the the they're the the Starless Knights, which is or the the enemy, basically. So, I mean, it's basically darkness is what is uh, falling across the land, <laughs> and it is like corrupting the land itself. And you are basically these, I forget what they're called. Let me look it up. Seekers that are dispatched to like these magical wells that are holding these like evil spirits or whatever. And you're going down and you have this lantern you're bringing down with you to bring the light with you. So you're not like corrupted by the darkness or whatever. And you're going to fight and basically defeat these masters to prevent them from being unleashed upon the world. So that is the basic theme your adventure is going down in a well to kill a boss. Yeah. Uh, for those who have heard the name Kinfire before, but didn't know what this game is, uh, this is set in the same world and with the same main characters as the more kind of traditional boss battler, big adventure campaign game called Kinfire Chronicles. We have a few videos on the channel. Like I did a preview when it was first coming out. And then, uh, actually, I don't know if we have any, I feel like we might have one video that Barrett and Colin maybe did before they left. But I might do some, uh, they have like expansion content coming and I might do a video for the game later because I do want to play it again. But yeah, so that's that's like the same world, but this is its own standalone thing. It's like a 20 buck set. We can talk about the components for a second because I don't know. Is that on your list, Peter? The like components? So my number five. Oh, there is... you go. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead and uh, g- d- skip over the components, but go okay, ahead okay, and cool. uh, talk about. Yeah, so, so the actual mechanics. So you have this big deck of like encounters, like monsters and events and things. And that's representing the well that you're going down into. And you're literally digging down into it. Most of the monsters you defeat will cause you to discard cards off the top of the well. And when you get to the bottom, you fight the boss. So that's like kind of the main thing you're doing. And at any one time, you'll generally have four enemy cards flipped face up next to the well. And you can pick one of them to encounter and fight. A uh, game reminds me a lot in that way of, uh, what is it? One Deck Dungeon. For anybody who's played that one. Because that one will yep. flip up a certain number of monsters. And you can like go and fight them. I thought One but, Deck Dungeon, they were face down though. And you got to pick which of the four you wanted to encounter. Yeah, you know, right. right. One Deck Dungeon, you spend time <laughs> to flip them. And then you spend more time to actually fight them. And sometimes you won't want to fight them. And then you spend more time to redraw. And this one, they just get redrawn the second they're dead. So yes. <laughs> they cut out a lot of the steps there. But each player has their own unique deck of cards. And on your turn, you will face one of the cards. You'll you'll play cards. You'll roll dice, <laughs> like yes. dice to kind of boost your card values. And then the other players, if you're playing co-op, uh, the other players will be able to play cards to boost you. So it's cards with like a little bit of dice, but it's mainly card play. And the cards also have like special abilities and stuff on them. Uh, if you defeat the enemy, they'll go away. Sometimes you get a reward. If you don't defeat the enemy, usually they'll hurt you. And 
Yeah, that's that's kind of how the game goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the big thing that uh, you missed or you glossed over is that there are three different colors of challenges, and you're basically sure. playing cards of that color. So if it's a red challenge, you can only play red. If it's a green challenge, you can only play green cards. If it's a blue challenge, you can only play blue. So that somewhat limits what you have to look at in your hand, as well as like, oh, I really want to play this card. Well, I need to find a challenge that matches its color. Type yeah, of a now, thing. good call, good call. All right, so, uh, and, and by the way, we should mention the first set, which is called Vainglory's Grotto. That's the one that you can buy now for like 20 bucks. That has one boss. Well, actually, multiple versions of the boss. Yeah, three um, versions of the same boss. Yeah, uh, a big deck of well cards and two characters. So you can play the game up to two players right now. I got to uh, demo at PAX U the next set, which I'm sure we'll cover when it comes out. And that will let you play up to four player. And then that's the max player count. So they will have a third set coming uh, at the end of this year, I think, or middle of this year. But even with that one, you can still only play four player. Like it's not it, like it goes up to a six player game. Got it. All right. So if this is your first time joining us, thank you. The way we do reviews is we talk about the f- top five things we think you need to know about the game, starting with number five, which is the least important, going to number one, which is the most important. But of course, they're all important, or we wouldn't waste your time by mentioning them at all. With that being said, my number five is the components. <laughs> um, for a $20 game, I mean, this is a really thick box, really nice cards. They have the gold foiling on the backs of the cards. I mean, just really high quality components. The only, and then there's these custom dice. So when you roll the dice, they're basically, there are three dice you roll that are the same, which basically have two sides of each color. And so if you roll that color, it adds to your challenge uh, or to the progress of the challenge. And one dice, which is 50-50, darkness and light. And light adds to your challenge. Darkness does not. And maybe triggers some bad stuff, depending on what you're fighting. The, the custom dice are nice. The cards are nice. The only complaint I have, and I don't know if you have this complaint as well. I thought it was weird that the three colors they chose were red, green, and blue. Because first of all, people have red, green, color blindness. Now they do have a little triangle versus square or whatever for the for the two different colors. But the other colors, blue and green, I thought were super similar. They're both super dark. And I actually had a hard time in low light distinguishing them. Now, again, they do give you a symbol that that shows you the difference, you know, of which is supposed to be what color. But I don't know. That was the only questionable thing for me is like, why didn't they make the blue lighter or the green lighter? Um, or just choose a different color, not like two super dark colors. Yeah, interesting. So, I, I did never, I don't think I've ever noticed that. And I even played in fairly dark light at PAX U with Jerry. It's funny, what I thought you were going to say is this is the one that I've heard a lot and I feel it's a very, very minor complaint. It's not really a complaint at all. But if I had to nitpick something, uh, they have tokens uh, that you use to like mark damage and progress and stuff. And they have like a little tiny well, like ruts, trench in the box. Oh, it doesn't fit? <laughs> and like, they barely fit sort of if you like spread them out just the right way. It's like the only weird thing. Like everything fits beautifully in the box. The cards are lovely. Like Peter said, the box is like weirdly thick and beautiful. Yes, then, it's really nice for $20. I mean, yeah. uh, like like even my like low light complaint is, is minor. Although I, I do find it also funny that the two colors that are the most similar, one's a square and one's a diamond as the symbol. It's like, really? Like you couldn't have picked like any other shape like a hexagon or anything like why a square and a diamond but but anyway all, all these are nitpicks no like, it's, it's, it's overall for the price beautiful. it's ridiculous oh, like it is yes it is amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so my number five uh, gets a bit more into like the actual mechanics and this is a bit of a mix for me 
This is the boss battle that happens at the end of each uh, game. So you're digging down. And I will say I've only played the boss for this initial set. I got to play the heroes, the characters for the upcoming sets, the second set. I did not get to play the boss or any of the new enemies. So I have no idea what they look like or if they change, change things up a lot. But on the positive side, there are three versions of the boss. So you get some variety there. And you're punished or not punished for making certain choices during the delve based on which boss you get. Now, there is no way to find out who it is, so it's random. But at the same time, it does sort of give you like some tension in those choices, uh, whether you like might be boosting the boss or not, you don't really know. So that's all pretty cool. And I will say the the boss battles are tense. Like The game is pretty tough, I would say, in general. And yes. when you get to the end, it's usually hard. And it is you know kind of exciting, although maybe sometimes it's so hard that you just lose and you feel bad. <laughs> but yes. the negative side of it, the, the mix it for me, is that... The boss is like the swingiest part of the game because I personally find some of them way harder than others. And then within them, they have this mechanic that every time you fight them, you roll the dice. But if the black side of the black white die, it's a 50-50 chance comes up. They do something bad to you. And with some of the bosses, it's not that bad, but like with one of them, it's ridiculously bad. So basically, I feel like sometimes the randomness at the end is a little bit more than I would like. But I still think the bosses are... And also, uh, there's a little bit of sameness, at least in this one set's boss, because they always have the same bodyguards that yes. like, protect them, even though they change. So the boss battle is a bit of a mixed thing. Like It is tense. There is some variety, but I also don't love the swinginess, and I don't love the lack of variety in other parts, I guess. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. And that comes up like intermittently throughout my review. My number four, though, is the challenges that you face. So as you're going through this deck, and the whole point of the game is to get through the whole deck of cards. And as you beat challenges that you face, it'll tell you to, like, discard three cards from the deck, discard five cards. So, like, the harder the challenge is, the more you're going to go down. But there are other interesting things about the challenges as well. I mean, you may also heal, because that's the other thing. There's no real way to heal damage like so as you take damage you have 10 damage combined as players but as you take damage which usually happens when you fail to defeat a boss when you attack it there's no real way to heal it except for some of the challenges themselves gives you ways to heal damage or whatever and it's not many of them at all so um, most of the time you're just digging further in the well trying to get to the bottom so you can get to that boss fight but the interesting part about the challenges is they all have unique rewards they all have unique uh, penalties and then they also not only do they have a color and a challenge number but they have a special ability and if that special ability is bolded then it applies even when they are not the active boss so i, I just think they did a lot i don't want to say a lot because actually that's one of my complaints about the game is it <laughs> feels same to me after a while but i do think they did a decent job of adding variety to the game with the different challenges as you go down you know they all feel different now after a while do they? I don't know. Like, <laughs> but they they certainly it adds to the puzzleness of like which challenge you want to do next. It's like, oh, this one adds damage anytime you fail any challenge. So maybe I get that one earlier. Or this one, whenever I flip up a blue card, makes me discard a card. So I want to kill this one before I defeat other cards because then I'm gonna have to flip up a card. And if it's blue, then I'm gonna lose some of my valuable resources that I have. So yeah, I, I thought the challenges, they did a decent job of making them unique, although just based on the way the system is, after a while, it did feel samey to me, especially after playing several games in a short period of time. It started feeling samey to me. Yeah, whereas it, oh, well, I'll get to this, but it didn't necessarily for me, but I was playing like a couple of times every once in a while over the course of several weeks. 
Uh, so my number four is kind of connected my number five, but expanding on it. And I'm sure this will probably come up for Peter uh, is the randomness in the game. And this is uh, also a mix. The interesting thing is the part that people would probably jump on most for the randomness, which is the dice. I don't really mind at all. and don't find feel that random. They tend to be pretty consistent in giving you like one or two of the color you need. You know, when you get zero, it's a bit of a groan moment. When you get three, it's definitely a woohoo moment. And then there are ones that like need you to get a white or need you to get you a black for certain effects. But there's lots of cards that mitigate the dice and change the dice. And so I wait, there I, are. Well, there are some. Okay, there are a few cards that mitigate the dice to change the dice. I don't <laughs> remember any. That must be the new set. Like literally, I don't remember any. Oh, you cards. know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? L- let me rephrase that. There are many cards that let you ignore the negatives of failing a dice roll. <laughs> oh, yes, is, yes, <laughs> yes. Because that, that is, is very that different. is mitigation. But you're right. It's not changing the dice. The new set uh, does have a hero that lets you reroll dice. That's like his whole thing. So I am getting a little bit mixed up here. (laughs) But uh, where the randomness is potentially going to be negative for people is kind of different than what Peter just said. I think there are drastic differences in the difficulty level of the cards in the well deck. Yep. Um, Especially like the events that can pop up and stuff. Uh, Some of them very helpful, some of them very hurtful. Peter's right that they do balance it with like the risks and rewards. But it doesn't change the fact that some of you just like are in a very bad spot because of how the cards come up. Or you get some like very easier things you can handle well so it's kind of a mix of the card draw for yourself and the card draw for the enemies i already mentioned that the uh, boss can be very swingy now this is a very i find a very quick game it's in like that sort of genre of just like play 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 done even with more players you're still generally keeping the play time about the same because you are going through the same size deck just like taking turns doing it instead of doing it your same turn over and over again so uh, this is my number four because i didn't mind the dice and Again, I I sort of disagree with Peter here. I think the fact that some things are way worse than others and way better actually makes the game feel different each time you play, at least for me. But it's also swingy. It's also going to frustrate people. Yeah, and my number three is those dice. So I'll talk a little bit more about it now. I mean, I think it's funny that you said sometimes you roll three successes and you're like, woohoo. I very rarely found that a woohoo moment for me because typically I only... Relied oh, on one to wasted two. some cards, <laughs> right? Yeah, I almost feel like, oh, you know, I, I re- usually rely on one to two successes to win. Now, there are obviously exceptions, and the big exceptions are, as Mike said, cards that say ignore the failure penalty, or like one of the two characters has shields that blocks damage. And if they only do one damage, I'll typically just play one card. So, wait, I guess we never really got into details of how the card system works. So, basically, the way it works is one player plays a card from their hand which they get their like value so you're trying to meet a challenge value of like let's say eight usually cards have anywhere from zero to four usually it's two to three tends to be pretty standard for these cards like value that you're going to add so if i need to get to eight i play a card that's two now you can add two cards to that that boost it now in a solo game you add those yourself from your hand but you're only using basically a boost number at the bottom In a multiplayer game, though, the other player plays those cards on you. You cannot play them on yourself. The other person has to play them. So you have a number and you're boosting it. Now, when I found that I, and again, this is just about the dice, but I think that was an important explanation. The thing I thought was important about the dice is that, like, a lot of the times I would only be one or two away from succeeding that challenge and just need to roll those one or two. So if I rolled three, it didn't really affect me. I was more negatively influenced when I rolled badly and I didn't get that one 
I mean, if it was one, if it was two, I didn't really count on it, but like, I would still be sad if I didn't get it. So I do think there's not as much luck in the dice as people think. Yes, it can be super swingy sometimes where it's super important to roll a certain thing, but you're also taking that chance. You could always typically at least boost with more. But I did find when I did get those woohoo moments is when I played a card that either blocked all the damage I was taking or said ignore the effects of the cards. In that situation, then I would be really happy because I would usually just try to put a couple points of progress on it and then try to finish it with another character later or with another card later. So that's when I got really excited when I rolled well on those. But that was few and far between. I found most of the time I'd know I'd be pretty close and or I pr- some a lot of times I would succeed before I even had to roll the dice at all. Um, and maybe that was a failure on my part as well, because, yeah, you know. I mean, you, you said you had a hard time winning, so I, I can show you some strategy things. Cause I think a lot of the stuff you're talking about is actually not as smart of a way to play the game sometimes. Cause I would often, you don't have to play any cards at all. There are many situations where yes. I would, if the penalty was not that bad, just literally go in playing nothing. And then it very much is a woohoo. Cause the other thing, I don't, I don't know if Peter just said it, but uh, you build up progress on enemies most of the time. So like, even if you don't yes. kill them, anything you did is still going to sit on them and help you kill them the next time. So, yeah. But anyway, um, we'll talk more about that stuff later. My number three, big, big pro, character variety. Now, there's only a $20 game. If it was a lot more, I would be annoyed that there's only two characters in it. But with the low price point and the fact that more is coming, I'm totally fine with it. But even with the two characters you have, they did a cool job of each of them having a unique uh, mechanic. So the the one guy, like Peter mentioned, uh, he puts down shields, whether he's uh, playing cards for himself or boosting others, that'll stop damage. So there's like some kind of clever cooperative opportunities or even just solo opportunities in that. But then all, every character has cool cards that make them feel really powerful. Like that same uh, guy, sort of like a robot core. Is that his name, Peter? I don't remember. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. But like, he's got like a card that if you, if it's the last card in your deck, when you play it, you get to refill your hand. Cause that's a big thing we didn't mention yet. When, uh, when you want to get more cards in your hand, you have to take exhaustion, which are like these negative cards. And if you get too many of those, you can lose the game automatically, or they can kind of like uh, gum up your works and make the game harder. So that's an awesome card, you know? And then the, the roguish character, uh, they get extra progress when somebody's already got progress on them. So if you're playing two player, you want to have like the robot put some progress on this person, maybe blocking the damage that they deal. And then the other, and then the rogue is going to get to do some extra damage for free. So there's like a lot of cool things and having seen what's coming at PAX U, those characters are awesome too. have very unique mechanics too. have very unique cards too. So it's a cool system that they started out with. And I can already see evidence that it's only going to get better and mixing and matching these characters you know, despite Peter saying the game doesn't have much variety, I think the, all the variety I need, even if the Wells cards are kind of similar sometimes, is this, at least for me. So yeah, I think the characters are a great thing about the game. Now, is the new second have a whole, totally different Well deck as well? Correct. Or it's got an entirely it... different Well. It's a totally standalone, each one. Tell, entirely new Well deck. Entirely new boss. I'm not sure if all the mechanics will be the same or not. And then uh, two entirely new characters that are very cool so far. Yeah, no, that'll be interesting. My number two is combos. And I think people who love combos are going to love this game. As Mike already said, like, you know, you can add some damage to a character. And then later on, you may have a card that says, if a character's damaged, do this. Or there might be a character that just adds extra progress to somebody who already has progress on them. I said damage, it's really progress. So I, I do think people who like combos, like oh, you know, this card is really good, but I'm probably going to take a lot of damage. Oh, that one character can add some shields to it. Okay. Or it's a combat 
he can add a you know play a card to boost it that does better when he's playing against a combat card. So the game is very tactical. It's very combo lific. I think people will love that about it. Like what you're doing is really trying to find optimal strategies to get through these four sets of cards that are facing up. And I do think there's some interest based on which cards are facing you know facing up. Some of them will affect other ones, or some of them will do things like if you don't defeat them early. So I do think there's interesting challenge to the game when. When it comes to that and i think people who like card combos will really like it now there's no way to guarantee because again you're not really drawing cards that often and you know if you have cards in your hand even when you decide to draw new cards like you draw a penalty card so but you also have to discard all your cards so it's not even like you can necessarily set up these combos but it is very tactical if you're like me where you like drawing a hand of cards and trying to figure out the best way to play through them with the challenges you're presented. I think it'll be very rewarding for you in that situation. So I said, I guess I should say a lot of combos, but they're very tactical combos and they're really, you know, every board's going to present a different challenge with the set of cards you have. And you're just trying to find the best use of those cards with the challenge that's in front of you. So very tactical to me and uh, very cool combos. Yep, and I'll get to that in a second. But my number two is kind of back to Peter's earlier one, the well cards. Uh, for me, this is a full pro. I think they are quite varied. Uh, the enemies, some of them will boost other enemies. So you want to take them out earlier, but you might not have the best cards to do so. There are a lot of events in there that you don't have to roll or play cards for anything. They just like say, hey, do this. And usually it's a give and take. You know, like, hey, heal a whole bunch, but uh-oh, bad stuff is going to happen. Or, hey, uh, dig down really deep. But uh, you're going to spawn some like nastier things. So I think there's some cool things in there for a game of this type. A $20, you know, like 30 minute to 45 minute playing quick little fun dungeon romp. I I think the variety is good. I did not feel like, again, I do feel like I'm doing sort of the same thing with the boss when I get down to them most times. But I do not feel the same way about the well cards. Yes, my randomness uh, point still applies. Sometimes they're going to be way harder, way easier. And that might ruin your run or not. You know, if you treat this game a bit like a roguelike or a roguelite, then I think that is to be expected. But yeah, I think the well cards are cool. I am very curious. Again, this is the part I have not seen of the upcoming sets. I'm very curious how different the new well cards will be. Yeah. This is a pretty streamlined system. So that would be a bit of a disappointment if the well cards and the new boss were pretty similar, although the characters are very different. But if they find a way to make those well cards continue to be kind of interesting and somewhat unique. Because another thing is... um. There are like cards that give you better rewards if you build up multiple combos of that same card or worse penalties. So you like might want to on purpose not kill them or get a little bit of damage on them and then leave them around for a while in the hope that another copy will come up. Again, it does play to the swinginess, but I think it's just fun. And the fact that you are, I don't know, encountering like a fourth of the deck, a fifth of the deck, because so, you know, if you kill yeah, one guy, you, you, you discard like lot. five other cards. So you see different combos of cards every time. Swinginess, yes. yes, but I would say variety, yes. So again, I'm kind of on a different side than Peter here. Not saying that either of us is right, but I, I very much like the well cards, and I think it is a, a a key defining part of the game that I think is well done. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't 100% disagree with you, but there is also a lot of times where it's like, okay, this is a seven blue challenge. This is sure, a sure, red sure. challenge, and there's not much difference between them. That, uh, and even if there is, if you don't fail, then usually it doesn't matter, right? So, like, I don't know. I'll, I, I Maybe, again, maybe I was overusing resources to go down because I think that is a big part of it. But I also felt like a lot of the times I didn't even... Yes, I, I cared more about the cards in my hand than I cared about what's on the board, which honestly, 
is good is a good thing, right? Well, sure, sure. Wanna... I, I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you want that to be the case. You want the cards in your hand to be the most interesting part of the game. And I felt like it was that way. I just felt like the challenges were similar, even though the numbers might be different or whatever. And maybe there's a little bit difference between them. I didn't think there was a a ton. But again, I wasn't failing a lot, probably because I was overusing my resources and losing because of it. So Sure. Uh... <laughs> All right, my number one, I'm interested to see what you think about this because I actually don't think this is a big thing for you and maybe I'm completely wrong. And I I even think you kind of dismissed it a little bit when we talked about it. But to me, it is my favorite part of the game. And that's the co-op of the game. Oh, no, no, no. I think this this is a fine solo game. I enjoy it a lot. This is absolutely a co-op game first for me. You go ahead and talk because that's part of my final point. Okay, yeah, because I played this mostly solo, and I was getting really down on it. I, I had fir- good first experiences because I think the, the mechanics are interesting. But when I played it multiplayer, oh my gosh, the game totally opened up. And like, hey, can you do this so I can do this next turn? And hey, if you do this, I can boost you this way. Like, it was way more interesting than playing it solo where you're just boosting your own stuff. And yes, there's a puzzle within your own hands, but... I don't know. There just wasn't that communication. There wasn't that that shared joy. I, I just really liked being able to boost each other. And hey, this is your weakness, or this is the weakness of this card. Well, guess what? I have a card that kind of helps counterbalance that. I, I don't know, like when to play cards, when to not play cards, because you don't have to play cards. As Mike said earlier, you can just play no cards and just roll the dice and see what happens. Um, now, if you do that, you can't boost. But you know, if you don't play anything, then you. Uh, then you just roll the dice. And sometimes, I mean, that can be super exciting too, but I don't know. And, and it's just more exciting. I think the dice rolling, the card play, everything is just more exciting when you're playing with somebody else. Like you have cards that let somebody draw two cards. So like I was playing with my son, he never ever had to do a refresh action because I just kept having him draw cards. And when it came to my refresh action, like I had the card that let me not have to take a bad card when that happened. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. This game is so much better. And I think if I was to play it again solo, I'd probably two hand because I, and I'm not a huge fan of two handing, especially when there's so much, you know, text and complication in, in the cards themselves. And I guess I shouldn't say so much. There's not that much, but there's enough that I think it'd be a little bit of a challenge for me to two hand. But I also think it's just a way better game with multiple heroes in it. Yes. So my, my number one does relate to that. It's also kind of like the card play that Peter mentioned. Uh, for me, it was just a little bit higher. I think that I wouldn't call them like quite combos, which is one of the cool things about the game because each card tends to be kind of its own cool power because you only play a single card as sort of the main effect to a given check, to a given like uh, monster fight at a given moment. And then you have the boost, but the boost very rarely do anything special besides just giving a certain amount of points. So for me, it's less about combos. Well, sure, 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 sure. But yeah, for me, it's less about the combos and more about just like the coolness of the card play and the fact that it is your resource. Uh, Like I said, Peter might be using it a little bit too much. I think it's fun, like when you don't play a card at all and which order you tackle people and you know, which which order you use your cards in and when do you choose to refresh and all that I find like very fascinating. But Peter's right. This is part of my number one great solo game. Peter might not like it much for solo. I very much enjoyed it. It was very high. Well, actually, that's a funny thing. So here, here you go, Peter. This was on my top 20 uh, co-op games of 2023 list and was not on my top solo games because I kind of decided which, right. which, 
for games that did both, I decided like which thing I thought was their best. And I do think that this is a good solo game. It might even been pretty high on my list for solo, but co-op is awesome. Like Peter had mentioned again, I wouldn't quite call them combos, but like sometimes you wouldn't have the cards that go with other cards. So you couldn't pull off like cool one, two punches, but you have a much greater chance of that happening when you have two players because you're like talking about your cards and like, I'll play this card and every card, you know, you have this choice when it's in solo too, but do I use it as a boost or do I use it for its actual effect? Like, Ooh, if I boost my friend with this, I won't be able to take any card on. Like, how am I going to like kind of use my stuff to the best uh, impact? So yeah, I, I just love the card play here. I think it's great. It, it combos with the variety in the characters with more to come. I think it's, it's the best thing about the game. Like Peter said, whether you think looking at the well cards is exciting or not, I think it's always going to be fun to look at your hand, especially in co-op and figure out how you can kind of work together to make things happen. And I should be clear about combos. I didn't mean combos like I play a card and then you boost it with something that makes it even cooler. I mean combos in the fact that you're, it's almost like chess where you're thinking two or three steps ahead. Yeah. Okay, so that's like I'll what play I this meant by card, combo. Then you'll play that card. Then I'll play. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right. You're right. And, and then, then I'll play a card that adds three progress to all these challenges. So let's get this one close to being done, and then we can defeat two or three at the same time. Um, yeah, so it's like yeah. those tactical choices and like, yeah, combo card plays. No, no, I, I agree. I think that's yeah. I, I should have been more thing. clear about that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so final thoughts. I mean, I think we've given them like. For me, it's a high recommend for co-op. I actually can't wait to see the new sets. I'm hoping that I'm more interested by by more bosses and more well decks, and they become more interesting as time goes on. But as you said, a lot of the fun is what's going on in your hands. And I really thought the heroes were very unique, very different. Um, and as long as I'm playing a co-op, I would play it. For me, when it comes to playing it solo, I did like it better than the two games we talked about in our last episode, which were 20 Strong and what was the other solo one? Oh, uh, Resist Witchcraft? Yes, Resist. So I I enjoyed it more than both of those, probably because it was a little bit more on the simpler side, uh, a a little easier to get to the table. I mean, it didn't mean the gameplay was simple, but like the the rules complexity wasn't as high. I did enjoy it. But again, I don't know that I'd ever want to play this solo again. I really enjoyed it that much co-op that I, I think it would just be a letdown. Whereas something like Marvel Champions... I do enjoy playing solo one-handed as much as I enjoy playing two-player. I feel like it's a different experience. For me, this one, it's it's a different experience, but one I like less. Um, where Marvel Champions, I'm perfectly happy playing it solo. Um, you know, for me, all three of these games weren't, you know, weren't something I'd want to play solo. Yeah, this this is one of my uh, one of my top games from last year. I'm super excited for the next set. Uh, I, I like true solo games more than Peter, as evidenced by all the games you just named, I think. Yeah. Uh, and this one I enjoyed solo too, but this is one that I think is even better. It is good solo. This is unlike, uh, what did I talk about earlier? Oh, uh, Challengers. Like Challengers, it's cool that it has a solo mode. You can play it. Don't buy the game for solo. I think for me, if you are like me and like true solo games sometimes, I think this one is one that you're likely to have a good time with, even if you're only going to play it solo. But it does open up even more. Great conversation, great combos. Again, I got to play it uh, three-player, not four-player, but three-player at Pax U with the new decks, and it was even better. You know, like, we were just having really cool, like, who wants to support him? Oh, man, oh, I got this really cool card. Can you all set me up by doing this? Oh, can you hit that guy? Like, just really neat conversations, and yeah. more characters, the merrier. 
So, you know, I guess that's, what is that? To be able to play the game three to four players, it's going to be $40 if once both sets are out. But I think that's still a good price for all the stuff you're getting. Well, and you get twice as many bosses, twice as many well cards. Exactly, so, yeah. exactly. No, no. And I mean, for $20, it's a great value. But just, I, I would I would recommend having somebody else to play it with or be willing to play two-handed. Uh, I don't know. I, I Did you ever play two-handed? No, no. I, I, I think solo works well enough. I didn't have any desire to play it two-handed. I think it'd be a little bit annoying to like, looking back and forth between the hands and trying to figure it, out what you're going to boost and everything yeah because like i said it's not a lot of text on the cards but it's enough that it would be you know because you're looking through seven cards each now obviously as you play through your hand you get less and less cards as time goes on and it'd be easier and easier to play but yeah i mean i just think the interplay between the characters was so fun and that's what i'm most excited about i actually dreamt about this which is weird i don't usually dream about games but i was like man it'd be really cool to have like different characters that you're controlling so you have different combos like this one the combos are pretty obvious at least to me where one character wants to start the damage because the other one gets a bonus for attacking character that is damaged but the one character that wants to start the damage also blocks damage themselves really well so like they're really good at like starting a card but not necessarily finishing it uh, where the other character is really good and wants to clean up at the end so that's just a cool combo already but i could see like you were saying with different heroes how the combos would change between whichever heroes you were playing so i i don't know i'm excited to play more of this with more sets but for me i don't know how much i want to play it solo it's mostly a cooperative game for me all right. So definitely a pretty big uh, recommend for both of us for Kinfire Delve, especially if you're going to play a two player or uh, later this year when they release a second set, three to four player. So let's get into our design discussion. Uh, I was just noting that this is because Peter was like, hey, what are we design discussing? <laughs> we we always we always deeply plan the design discussion. It's definitely oh, yeah. not a totally. panic, a panic text like three hours before recording. <laughs> um but yeah, so I was like, oh, you know, it's interesting that this is, at least thematically, and in some gameplay elements, this is a dungeon crawl. You know, this is like an adventure game, going to fight a boss and stuff. It's interesting that there is literally no powering up. Well, besides, I guess, your lantern card. There's this card that you sometimes get the ability to flip that gives you like a little super attack, and then it gets unflipped again. But like, you don't get loot. You don't level up your character. You don't gain like new special abilities. And, you know, yes, a lot of those things are campaign game elements, but even in games that are even like in, within a dungeon crawl, you know, like you play Descent, especially like the older versions of Descent. I was about to say, find, not the new one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's something worth talking about. But yeah, like you play uh, older Descent, you know, you open up a treasure chest, you get a sword, you equip that sword. You know, that's like sort of a classic thing of going all the way back to D&D and like the, the, the granddaddy that inspired all these dungeon crawlers, you know, like I want to find a long sword of hacking and fire so that I can do cooler stuff and I can use that immediately. So do adventure games need loot? Do they need leveling? And is there, is it more fun to get the stuff during the game or like after the game? Because even in stuff like Gloomhaven, I forget when you open a treasure chest in Gloomhaven, you get the item. No, you get it later. So, so I, I'm gonna I'm, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna stop making Gloomhaven my 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 whipping boy because I feel like I've done that a lot. So I'll say Descent Journeys in the Dark. <laughs> you don't get stuff as you're in the dungeon either. You're getting like 
materials and stuff like that that you can later turn into weapons or whatever. Wait, you but mean not... legend, Legends of the Dark, right? Legends of the Dark. I'm the sorry, newest the newest descent. Whereas the old ones, you would get potions and stuff that you could equip right away. Zombicide, I think that's one of the best features of that game. A system I don't love, but I do love the fact that you're getting cooler and cooler equipment and leveling up as you're going along. The obvious answer to your question, do you need equipment and leveling during a game to make it enjoyable is no, because Gloomhaven, you know, was the number one game for a long time, and it doesn't have that. It has it between missions, yes, but not even not even that much between missions. So I think some people don't need it as much as others. The answer for me is absolutely. Like, that is one of my favorite parts of a game. The game play better be either short enough, which is what I liked about um, Adventure Tactics, where you didn't necessarily level up in the middle of the game, but you leveled up when you were done, and the leveling was so cool and so fast, and you felt the difference the very next mission you played. So it better be that, like, in a short mission, or I better be leveling up as I'm playing, or I get bored. And maybe that was part of the thing with Kinfire Delve. I mean, the other ones that we talked about earlier, you did level up more, but I don't know. I didn't find it interesting enough to to care. So I guess that's part of it too. Like, not only do I want leveling in the middle of the mission, but I want to feel it. You know what I mean? I want to be able to use that cool new thing in a cool way. Well, and I think with some of the games you just named, some of the ones I'm thinking of, I do think the difference sometimes comes down to how interesting and varied the stuff you can do is. Sure. You know, so for comparison, Gloomhaven, yeah, I'm not getting any new items within the mission. I'm not getting any new ability cards within the mission. I'm not going to like level up during the mission, but you have a lot of cool ability cards. You can combo them in different ways. You know, like I think there's some interesting stuff going on there. Compare that to like, okay, let's go back to Descent first edition where you would literally get like, what was it? It was like bronze, then silver, then gold, right? In a yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like you would go from like zero to hero within that same mission. But without that, I don't know. There was, <laughs> I guess you had ability cards and like you could spend stamina to activate them. But I feel like certainly the things you were doing as an individual character in Descent were a lot less tactically interesting than in Gloomhaven. So maybe you needed that little oomph of I got a laser sword and, and that actually remember the weapons of descent first edition and i guess other editions they would actually change like what the surges would mean you know and like now you can like inflict this status effect or now you can yeah if you do this you get plus three damage so it would almost like change the ability paradigm of your character so i think for a simpler more straightforward adventure game that was sort of necessary to keep it exciting for the long haul you know and I'm going to contradict myself here because one of my favorite games and your favorite, actually both of our favorite game of last year, Tales from Red Dragon Inn, you do not level up in the middle of the campaign. You're not getting items. You are literally using your special abilities over and over. But the gameplay to me was interesting enough. So I guess I'm going to contradict my own statement and say that I think you can do it without the leveling up. But I still prefer the leveling like if you're leveling throughout the course of one mission now it does lead to weird things so for example i'm gonna i guess uh, flame and fang we'll use that as an example you're leveling up a lot throughout the course of the mission you will look very different and be doing different cooler things by the end of the mission but then you reset after each mission as well 
right? So you do get some permanent level ups, but you're also getting temporary level ups as well. And I think that can rub people the wrong way sometimes, even though for me, it is the way I prefer to do it. Cause like, oh, I become really cool and different in this mission. And then I can become really cool and different in a different way in different mission and a later mission. But I'm also like leveling up in some kind of an arc where like, it behooves me to level up in a different way in a different mission because now I have different cool abilities that affect the way I want to level. Not only is the boss and the mission itself affecting the way I want to level. So that way I can play differently each time I play where I think sometimes when you level up and you maintain all your level ups, it becomes harder in the long run because first of all, then the enemies have to have power creep or whatever. And you have to make sure they're leveling the same way you're leveling and it and it kind of pushes you in a direction that makes it harder to veer later on and i think it could lead to gameplay feeling samey from game to game so one of the benefits i mean i said the negative of you know starting over from scratch each mission is that you're starting over from scratch each mission and you don't have all those cool level ups you got but i think one of the pros is you could build differently each time you play the game even though you're playing the same character, you're playing through the same campaign, which makes the campaign not feel as long to me because each mission feels unique. Yeah. I mean, it does bring me back to Kinfire Delve because it does neither, right? And there are yeah. like, there aren't a lot that do this, but some other ones also do neither. Like you're not leveling up in between missions because there's no campaign at all. <laughs> and you're right. also not really having like a power growth but the thing that comes back to like is the fact that my character is interesting from the word go in Kinfire Delve. Sure. You know, like the cars are already really cool. Although, like, how does it compare? Sentinels of the Multiverse, Marvel Champions are also games where you're not finding new abilities and you're not like powering up or even like Arkham Horror LCG. But you are like playing out your combos, and Kinfire Delta does not have that. Like, you don't really have permanence of cards. So, those ones also achieve a like power up effect, even though you're not getting anything new. You're just sort of playing out in a way the combos that already existed there that you already created with your deck. Yeah. So, so I'm going to throw some shade on Marvel Champions since I like to throw shade on all the top games on Board Game Geek, whatever. And it's and like your number one my game, number one right? game, right? <laughs> so, but I'm going to throw some shade on it because honestly, yes, if I played the same pre constructed deck over and over and over again, even if I was playing different bosses, maybe I'd feel a little bit different, like playing different bosses. But if I was playing the same boss with the same pre-constructed deck over and over and over again, I don't know that I would love the game as much as I do. And I'm not a huge deck constructor, but the thing about Marvel Champions is, first of all, there's so many heroes and so many different ways you can go with it. And there's different aspects, so you can build them completely different every time you play. And some heroes do have more of a linear, like, this is how you want to build them than others. But because there are so many heroes, you can change from game to game. I don't know that I would play Marvel Champions if I was limited to playing the same hero with the same aspect, with the same cards every time. I think I would get bored with it over time because you don't have progression from game to game because you are rebuilding. But again, I think the nice part of that is every time I play the game, I can take a new hero. I can build a new deck. I can play it completely different. Even if I play the same mission, now I'm getting a different experience because I have a different hero. And I think Sentinels of the Multiverse is the same thing. I think the difference between those two games and games like Kinfire Delve is Kinfire Delve, you're not building up. And in both Sentinels and Marvel Champions, most of the heroes 
are building up, getting better as the game progresses. Whereas but King Fire you're Del- right that it's for a given here or for a given way you built your deck, it's often there's a set pattern. You just Prescribed. Kind of yeah, like and you hope it comes out in an effective and efficient way, you know, that you don't yep. explode. Whereas Kinfire Delve doesn't have any growth, but does it need it when I think your choice every turn and like across turns of which order you play your cards in and how you use them is already cool. You know what I mean? Like if the tactical choices are engaging enough. So what I'm learning from this conversation, and I'm surprising myself to some degree, is that, yeah, if the gameplay is good enough, you don't need to do these things. I think there are ways around it. And I also think different people are going to feel differently about this. Sure. Right. Some people love fast progression. I am one of those players. And I even count Marvel champions as one of those. My hero feels and looks very different by the end of the game than they do at the beginning of the game. And if, and you know, Sentinels of the multiverse as well, you're building up your hero, you're building up to something. I think if they didn't have those, I wouldn't like the game as much. And honestly, in Marvel champions, I don't play heroes where I don't get to build up as much, but I think that's one of the cool things. If you build a good enough system, if you could build it so that people that don't care about the buildup can play with people who do care about the buildup, you know what I mean? And like, like, I, I think there are cool ways to handle it, but I also think for most games, you're not going to be able to please everyone. And so you're going to have to pick a path. And honestly, you know, as a designer, I'm going to pick the path that I enjoy playing better because I want the game to be fun for me and people like me. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I, I know we did a, we did a podcast, I don't know, like a few months back on like leveling, which I guess we're kind of verging into that territory some here as well, but it is interesting to compare. And this is also a video game thing. So let, let me just kind of go off for a minute here. Sure. There's a difference between leveling with numbers increasing and leveling with options increasing, right? Yes, very much so. And I, I think both can be fun. I would say Descent First Edition giving you new weapons. That's more numbers increasing. Like, yes, you got different powers, but they were just kind of dictated by the cards, you, uh, the dice you rolled anyway. And the enemies got bigger and got tougher, you know, so I'd be doing more damage and they'd be taking more damage. That could be fun. You know, that could be fun in video games. That could be fun in board games. But if you look at things like to, to go back to like sort of the adventure uh, genre we're supposed to be focusing on, you know, like Mage Knight, it might get too complex <laughs> with how your deck levels up and the combos you unlock and the crazy like tactical things you could eventually be doing in the game. You know, some people might think it's too much, but that's also like kind of the joy of the game where people continue to love it so many years on that by the end game you're doing like these six card crazy combos and you have all these mana crystals saved up and you can just do amazing things that you could never have even dreamed of doing in the beginning and it's not just your numbers have gone up like literally the tactical landscape has increased incredibly in complexity and for a game that's very similar to kinfire delve one deck dungeon or actually it's maybe more similar to 20 strong but that one is interesting in that you get way more dice, you get way more powers to use those dice, you get way more powers to modify those dice. The enemies require more dice to be defeated. And like the part of the one deck dungeon that I enjoy, that's like the little like kind of dice changing and mitigation and placement puzzle, that I think gets way more interesting as you level up in that one. Kinfire Delve has great tactical choices from the get-go, but I don't think it gets any more complicated. You know what I mean? I think, and maybe maybe that could play into a little bit of you, Peter, feeling like maybe it's samey sometimes, like as you fight the same yes. enemies and stuff. Like it is, 
you're making cool choices with your cards. Those choices are engaging every turn. This is not really a criticism of the game here. I said I loved it. But like the choices, the level the of puzzle choice, doesn't get more yeah, interesting. The puzzle as the doesn't game get more on. interesting. It doesn't get less interesting. It, it, right. it, it is interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and I certainly like that better than like a basic game where your numbers just go up personally. But it, it I don't know. You know, I, I'm playing a lot of Metroidvania video games lately, like an old one called The Messenger or like Hollow Knight. And those are games, if you don't know Metroidvanias, that comes from uh, Metroid, Peter, and then some of the later Castlevania, Castlevania games. Well, specifically yeah. Castlevania Symphony of the Night and the later ones that had like exploration. But these are the games where like you'll unlock a new power. Like you get a double jump and now you can go to different parts of the castle, you know, and then you'll yep. you'll get a dash and you go to different, different parts of things now. And I think like that's another version of the leveling by complexity. Like the game actually becomes has more to deal with. You got to use more buttons. You have more tools at your disposal, but it make they can throw tougher stuff at you, and you can feel cooler and cooler as you learn and master it. You know, I don't know if Ken Fire Delve ever achieves that, and I don't know if any game that like kind of doesn't have any leveling during the game achieves that, or I guess they'll achieve it across the campaign. Um, you were just saying for Agamonia. You start out with very few abilities in the uh, tutorial. It takes a while for you to unlock more options, you know, and uh, Tales from the Red Dragon. And we love that one. But you didn't really get like a full suite of abilities until like the third scenario, because they also kind of have a tutorial system there. Although the abilities you had from turn one were, or game one were really. Well, that's true. Cool. I mean, well, that, <laughs> like, that's one of the things Tales does really well. Like leveling yes. is pretty slow in Tales from the Red Dragon. In. You I never get, felt like, that, though. Well, see, I did feel it, but I would switch characters. That That's the other beautiful thing. It has what you were saying for Marvel Champions. I could just literally be like, hey, I'm kind of tired of Fiona. I'm going to be Zot for a little while. Boom. And you're Zot. And there's like no, <laughs> there's no like challenge and switching over. Yep. Whereas, you know, Gloomhaven has you switch characters, but it's a different thing. And your character kind of sucks for a while. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's still cool. I love that Gloomhaven does that. It is not a criticism of Gloomhaven, but there are some pain points in switching characters that I did not feel in Tales from the Red Dragon, in for example. Yeah. So, what do you prefer at this point, or or does it is it based on the game, and do you think both can be done well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think us naming so many awesome games that do so many different things shows that it's not even there is a preferred system, and it's not even like it's what I'm in the mood for, or it's cool to have all of them. It's cool to have access to different ones. I really like Kinfire Delve. No leveling to be seen. I love deck builders and bag builders, you know, and, and our own game, Flame and Fang, or Heroes of Tenefer, or something where, like, you just build up and get, like, a lot stronger. Those are awesome. But I, I, I'm i really, I'm loving Agamonia. I'm barely leveling up at all. Like, now that I'm out of the tutorial, I got to go through, like, two or three missions before I get, like, new uh, adventure cards and stuff. And, like, I might get a story that gives me plus one, but that's also not the focus. So m- m- maybe the biggest takeaway I have is something needs to be engaging. Sure. And... And it's, and it's okay if that's the leveling. It's okay if it's not. But if nothing's engaging, that's not going to work. Like you said, adventure well, tactics. <laughs> sometimes sometimes the card play of adventure tactics is cool. Sometimes it's okay. Sometimes the bosses are really cool. Sometimes they're kind of blah. But the leveling's always fun, and you get to yep. it quickly. So, like, that's yep. that's a that's a joy point there. You know, like, that's that's a something to latch onto for the game. For Kinfire Delve, I don't need leveling because, man, I love, and especially, like you said, the second I introduce a second character, a second player, I'm in, you know, like I can do this. You can do that. Oh, look at our, how our cards are going together. Oh, there's a different guy. How are we going to deal with that? Like, I don't need any of that other stuff. It's great. But like, would I play, uh, 
you know, when I play 20 strong, if I never got items that would give me more complex, like choices and combos to pull off against the enemies, if I was just rolling dice and killing guys and that was the entire game, I don't think I'd really enjoy it as much, you know? Yeah. For me, I enjoy quick leveling. I mean, I just do. It is what is, uh, it is why I like deck builders. It is why I like engine builders. Like I like feeling different at the end of the game than I did at the beginning of the game. It It is important for me. With that being said, two of my favorite dungeon crawl games don't have it at all. Tales from the Red Dragon Inn and Adventure Tactics. And, and even Osworn doesn't have progression in the middle of the battles. I do think if you're not going to have progression, I want your battles to be quick and or engaging with what you have. I, I, and I want to progress between the missions, right? I want to progress quickly between the missions. But again, that is a personal preference. And I do realize everybody has their own personal preferences. For me, I prefer that quick leveling. I prefer that feeling of building something up. Probably why Marvel Champions is my favorite game. But, you know, I can enjoy games that don't have it. I think you just, as you you've so eloquently pointed out, there's got to be something there. There's got to be something that makes me want to come back to the game. And for some games, it's just the leveling. And in other games, you know, games that are that I prefer more, it's the leveling, it's the enemies, it's the this, it's that, it's 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 a part of the equation. It doesn't have to be the whole equation. But for me, I think it adds to the equation and makes the equation better. So for me, I typically prefer to have it, but I've pointed out and we've pointed out plenty of examples tonight where you don't have to have it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, like Peter said, we should have probably deck builder cooperative uh, not deck builder trick taker cooperative trick taker matchup uh next time between jekyll and hyde versus scotland yard and sale and then maybe agamonia <laughs> some adventure yep. or maybe uh, ta- uh plum island horror get some dawn of the zeds co-op action going uh, we'll see but either either way lots of exciting stuff coming yep and uh thanks for joining us and we will see you soon bye Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list. Hey, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever want to delve into a well. I got to be honest. <laughs> I know Batman did it, but it seems like a really bad idea. Well, even he was like trapped in a well and he was climbing out of it, right? Did that? <laughs> when he's jacked up the rest of his life, he had to become a superhero. Just like he's a rich dude that could just be oh, like sitting around like chilling his whole life. You're talking about became... the well that like turned him into Batman. I'm, I'm thinking about yeah. uh, when he was like in the third movie when he was a. Uh thrown in the place by bane but that's terrible. that's not really a well that's like a prison anyway yeah no <laughs> like he fell he fell in the well at the beginning and he turned into this like crazy psychopath superhero like i don't know good for the rest of us but bad for him right that could be good <laughs> existence like i'd rather be the playboy millionaire <laughs> so kids stay away from wells i mean that's that's just good advice <laughs>